That's right, you're listening to Weg Fans, and with me is a man who spends so much time at the Medford Wegmans. He's in the running for Employee of the Month, despite not even working there. The world's number one Weg fan, John Zerbigo. How are you, Marcelo? You know, we're not too far into our uh, run of this podcast. We try and keep things positive, right? Yeah, oh, always. Always positive. Right. Why don't you say something positive? Because I've got something very negative to say. Sure. Uh, here's my positive. is I went to Wegmans this morning, and there were more free samples than usual. And so got to see a bunch of clusters of people all gathered around having free wine, free orange juice. I think there was someone cooking mussels at some point. So it was really nice to see that kind of fun camaraderie on a Sunday morning. So I feel very invigorated for my for my day by seeing so many nice people having a, a good shopping mm. experience. That's just ash in my mouth, John. That's just ash in my mouth. <laughs> All right. Well, let's hear. What is what is troubling you, Marcelo? I was in Southern California last weekend. My wife was running the LA Marathon because she's amazing. And mm -hmm. fortunately, we were staying at an Airbnb right next to a grocery store. It's like, great. She needs breakfast stuff. She's going to be getting up at like 4 a.m. and needs to make coffee and have a, some breakfast to fuel the fire. So it was great. And it's called Gelson's. So I go there first thing in the morning when it opens one day to get stuff for breakfast. And Hey, this place is pretty nice. I see they have a bar, like an actual bar bar. Like a bar like there is someone serving drinks bar? Not at the crack of dawn when I went there to get breakfast for the next day's marathon, but I saw that there's a bar. But you, you knew at some point that bar would be open. It wasn't, it wasn't like a ghost town saloon where no one's there. There was a bar with a TV screen that I imagined someone could have a drink at. All these great stations. And I was like, okay, let me, let me file this away. Everyone was super nice. And then the marathon happens. And after the marathon, one is maybe tired. One maybe doesn't want to go out to a restaurant, put on makeup and stuff, or, you know, get get fancy dressed up. One just makes wants to go somewhere really close and get a bite to eat. Yeah, there's just there's something about going to a restaurant when you're tired, even if it's a good restaurant, that can feel like torture. Yeah. And at some point, my wife had been to Gelson's, and she's like, oh my god, you were there when it opened? But when I was there, the employees were so nice to me. They kept on offering me samples, trying to give me recommendations. Like, oh, this place, this place sounds like a little Wegmans. Like, maybe we have found... So, so, that's, so that's the name of the place, right? So Gelson's in Southern California, that's the name yeah, of the place you're yeah, talking about Yeah, just G-E-L-S-O-N apostrophe S. Mm -hmm. and, and my wife was like, it's nice. It's kind of like the way you and John talk about Wegmans. And I was like, all right, great. I go in. So, okay, you know what? Let's just get dinner. Let's go to the hot bar. You can get a salad. Like, we can just chill post-marathon because you're obviously very tired because you did something insane. Very inspiring, but very insane to do 26.2 miles. Yeah, it is inspiring and insane in equal measure. The first man that ran a marathon died. That's the human body is not built for this. She never likes it when I make that joke, but I agree. So, I don't know. When, when do you think is a reasonable time for a hot bar to close? Well, a reasonable time for a hot bar to close would be 9 o'clock at night. Assuming a supermarket's open till 10, they're probably breaking down that hot bar at 9 o'clock. If it's a rural supermarket and the hot bar isn't big, I could say that it might be reasonable to close it as early as 8 o'clock. But it would be absolutely ridiculous to close it before 8. Would it be ridiculous to close it at 6.45 p.m.? Gelson's? That is when people eat dinner. Yeah. You're eating dinner at 6.45. Why even have a hot bar? What, uh, like, I really want some food at 4 o'clock this Sunday? No. And that seems so arbitrary. Like, if you're not going to bother with dinner, close it at 1 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, now, I get it. Like, if you're in a, a corporate area, if you're in an office park, 
and there's like a little commissary and cafeteria, that totally makes sense to close it at two. But if this is a supermarket where people shop and they might want to eat some dinner when they're out, six foot, that's insane. That's What is wrong with yeah. them for closing that hour? We were very disappointed. It really was a big bummer on what the on the end. You know, we recovered. It didn't ruin our night, but just like, why? It, like, Wegmans would never close that early. <laughs> no, that's insane. What? So the, the, the Wegmans near me is open way past my bedtime. And I have been in there at 10 o'clock at night, late. And there's food at that hot bar. And there are people working. And the deli is still staffed and all that. I don't... Do, do the people at Gelson's have some better place to go? It's a business. Everything at 6.45 was closing. Like, they were pulling stuff off the hot bar. The lady at the deli that makes sandwiches was just cleaning everything. I'm sure I could have forced a sandwich, but I'm not a monster. That's your cleaning time. I'm not here to mess up your day. You've got somewhere to go. I'm just mad at management. Like, what What are they doing? Yeah, that, that doesn't make any kind of sense to me. So right near the Wegmans in beautiful Medford, Massachusetts, is an, an Italian butcher and deli called Bob's. Bob's Italian food. It is... Awesome. It is a great place. They do really good catering, very friendly people. It's it's awesome. Like in terms of like classic Italian specialties, that's like the place you want to go. Now, they close around eight o'clock. And so if you want a chicken parm sub to go, be sure to call it in by like 6.30 or 7 so they can get it and then start cleaning up the sandwich station. I get that. It's like it's small. It's family run. They do a lot of their business during the day. But in terms of like a large supermarket that serves a community, Bob's is not the number one place you go for your groceries. Bob's is a specialty food store that does great sandwiches. A place like Gelson's, that is a supermarket. That is a supermarket that should be open and using all of its faculties from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. And that doesn't make sense to me for it to be any other way. Like I would have preferred if it was a grocery outlet next to where we were staying, because we have these in California. They're, they, they're terrible, but I would have preferred if there was a grocery outlet next to me, because there's something about getting something very close to what you want. Like the, Oh, maybe I found the California Wegmans. And then it just be so bitterly disappointed. I think that's probably the worst part about the story. Like the thing that hurts me the most is we know that you live in a Wegmans desert. The nearest Wegmans is hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from you. And so to see something that was just close enough to trick you for a second into thinking that maybe, maybe the West Coast is a good place to live. And then to have that <laughs> snatched away from you, it's, it, it, yeah. it's like Gelson's went into the uncanny valley of Wegmans. Like it was close enough that the minor things about it that troubled you were that much more horrifying. It's like Ron Swanson said, don't half-ass two things, full-ass one thing. Oh my God, I live by that. That is absolutely, absolutely the way to live your life. Well, let's get on with the rest of the show. Cheese plates, cured meats, easy meals, I feel complete. Italian classics, fresh organics, prepared foods to suit my moods. All right, well, we're back with WEG News. WEG News. WEG News. WEG News. WEG News. 
I'm going to promise that we're not going to start every episode like this, but there's been yet another survey of companies, and yet again, Wegmans is number two. The uh, 16th annual Harris Poll Reputation Quotient Study, they surveyed 26,000 people, and Wegmans came in second just behind Amazon.com. And this is, again, all all companies, so ahead of Apple, ahead of Tesla, ahead of anything you can think of, Wegmans is number two, only behind Amazon. This blows my mind, uh, not because it surprises me, but because we recently talked about how Wegmans is number two as far as places to work. So it's ranked high in terms of places to work, and it's ranked high in terms of public reputation. That's a real good inside-outside game. That's impossible, especially when you think about what number one is. Number one is Amazon.com, a place that has a tremendous reputation amongst the public because Amazon has literally changed the lives of people by giving them access to things within two or three days from anywhere. But working at Amazon is apparently a nightmare. If you're corporate, you're working long, horrible, punishing hours. And if you are working in distribution and then their warehouse and shipping centers, apparently it's murder down there. So Amazon has a great reputation for people that don't work there and a terrible reputation for people that do. But Wegmans has somehow magically made themselves a great place for employees and a great place for everyone else. That is, that's Ted Williams stuff. You know, he's the best baseball player of all time and also the best fly fisherman of all time. How the hell do you get so good at two different things? Yeah, and it's interesting the the categories that they use. The six areas rated were social responsibility, emotional appeal, products and services, vision and leadership, financial performance, and workplace environment. It's not just, oh, do you like the food at Wegmans? It's... Do you think Wegmans is a good corporate member of society? Like a whole evaluation. Yeah, that's a very holistic approach. It is very, very hard to do all of those things. To be a company that is known for social responsibility, as well as also being known for financial performance, as well as also being known for the enigmatic and presumably difficult to get emotional appeal. Now, I, I have a very specific relationship with Wegmans. I look at it as my happy place. And when I'm there, there's something very, for me, relaxing about being a consumer. To just walk around and my only job is to buy things I need and things I want and enjoy them. You're not in charge of anything. When you're a consumer, you are simply there to consume. And Wegmans is a place that makes it so easy for me to be a consumer. And so, you know, I get why for me, Wegmans has emotional appeal. But the fact that, what is it, 26,000 adults were surveyed for this thing, a majority or a a working majority or whatever it is of these employees looked at Wegmans, a regional grocery store, and said, yes, the emotional appeal of Wegmans is greater than any other company I can think of. Good for Wegmans. That's awesome. I'm sure there are bad news stories about Wegmans. I'm just I'm just not finding them. All I'm finding is reasons to like Wegmans. So, for example, in your home state, there's somewhere called the Promise Culinary School. And what they do, their mission is to prepare unemployed and underemployed individuals for skilled jobs in the food industry. People are always talking about vocational rehabilitation. And the local Wegmans in that area, in the New Brunswick area, they hosted an all-day, uh, no, not an all-day, I think they have a series of trainings for as part of the Promise Culinary School. So they are working with soon-to-be graduates on career skills and how to apply for jobs. And I imagine they're also doing a little bit of networking and probably taking some people from these programs. What I like about that is, 
that's the kind of social responsibility aspect of what Wegmans does that's mutually beneficial. One thing about folks that are unemployed or underemployed is if you're giving them training, ideally give them training in jobs that can't be outsourced away. You know, uh, jobs like construction and food service cannot be moved to an overseas coal center. These are jobs that are done in the community. They are, you are right there. You're working in your neighborhood. You're working where you live. And so for Wegmans, it's incredibly beneficial to have people in the area that are trained and know how to work in food service. So it helps Wegmans because it increases the, the pool of people that they can hire. And it also helps all of these people because they are getting good training for good jobs and they can work where they live. So I, I'm a big fan of when a company does something that benefits both the company and the community. It, it's both sides of the equation balanced that way. I read an interesting article uh, years ago, probably around the election, you know, because there's always talk about American manufacturing during election time and how to bring back American manufacturing. And it made a point that I thought was great to me was that we should view food service as part of American manufacturing in the sense that it's, it employs a lot of people. And if you have great corporate entities out there like Wegmans providing great jobs for people, that can help pick up the slack of where like some things, some industries might not come back, but this is a vibrant industry. And if we can have more people hiring people like Wegmans or Market Basket, like we mentioned before, where they're actually employee focused, this can be a great industry that revitalizes certain areas. I think the trick with food service compared to manufacturing is that manufacturing jobs and the concept of keeping manufacturing jobs in the United States has been a political issue for so many decades that the reputation of manufacturing, you know, and, and kind of factory work and working with steel or building cars, all of these things, obviously wonderful jobs, but the reputation of them has increased beyond the reputation of food service, I think mainly because they're constantly in the political conversation. And it's also, I think, when you think of the wealth of a country, it's a very old school way of thinking, but people still think in terms of, well, how much can they manufacture? What is their output in terms of durable goods? Things like that. That elevates the concept of manufacturing jobs, even though in terms of the work you do, working in food service can be just as rewarding, just as lucrative, just as spiritually good for you. So... Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that assessment. You can consider working in food service and serving people in your community to be part of that bucket of jobs that I think politicians should be talking about in every in every election cycle. Yeah, and to denigrate food service is a way for people who run food services companies to not pay food service employees the way Wegmans pays his employees or the way Costco pays his employees. You know, if we view working at a fast food chain as sort of a less, obviously it's not the same as being a doctor, but if we view it as like, oh, well, that's for teenagers and burnouts, then the hardworking people there that work in those industries will not be treated seriously by their corporate taskmasters. Yeah, that's a really, really great point. I recently saw, I, I guess it's a, an ad campaign that's running now, or maybe it was running a month or two ago, from McDonald's. And I believe the catchphrase for it was McDonald's were going to be home of the best first job you've ever had or something like that. The whole focus of the commercial was talking about how McDonald's is such a great first job. But the thing about that is for a lot of people, it's not your first job. 
For a lot of people, McDonald's is your job. It's the job you've had for years. It's the job that you had a job and then you started working for McDonald's and McDonald's is a nice, stable job for you. So for me, a very sneaky way of suppressing the importance of food service. And when you do, you're allowed to, as a business owner or a corporation that's in food service, you're able to underpay your employees or threaten them with automation and not receive any kind of social blowback. It's it's almost insidious, really. And so when I look at Costco or Wegmans, companies that do retail and do food service the right way, I see them as an example of the fact that these companies do not have to engage in a insidious public smear campaign of food service to suppress wages. You can treat your employees like people and respect them and value them and still pull in margins that are good enough for ownership or stockholders. Yeah, I mean, there was I forget which brands. So I don't want to slander the uh, the fast food chain. But in response to increases in uh, minimum wage in California, the, the CEO said, well, I guess we'll just have to start looking into automating. And if that happened in any other industry where it wasn't like automation wasn't coming from science or you know great breakthroughs just a desire to get rid of employees there would be a riot but because it's food service doesn't make a blip okay well we'll uh we'll stop starting a revolution let's just go on to one more piece of news <laughs> yeah but before before we start demanding that people seize the means of production <laughs> millionaires and billionaires or i don't know why i did a terrible kennedy accent there hopefully we'll edit that out or just keep it in and shame me yeah no that's either um, way we're a winner here <laughs> Uh, one more item, uh, and this I I don't know how common this is to be honest. Although we're, I am a fan of the this segment. I am not a anyway an expert in the the grocery business, but I did see an article where Wegmans lowered their prices. You know, maybe this is quite common in the grocery industry, but they lowered prices. Uh, the last time they did this was in 2016, and they focused mostly on in-house brands and on items that families buy the most. I imagine so it's to remain competitive, but also focusing on things like cans of tomatoes that people buy every day. Like I bought very expensive cans of tomatoes at Safeway the other day. So that is one of the things about supermarkets that is fairly complicated to process. So I believe the term that is best used for this is a loss leader. Essentially, there are products in a supermarket that the supermarket expects to lose money on. Those are the loss leaders. Those get people in the door so that they can then get higher value or higher margin products that end up buoying up the store. A good example of that outside of supermarkets in the food industry is in video games. I believe it was the PlayStation 1. Sony sold at like a $150 loss. I'm kind of guessing on the number, but the original PlayStation must have retailed for like 300 bucks, but it cost Sony probably $450 to manufacture and ship. So by pricing the PlayStation lower, they are rolling the dice and assuming that the average PlayStation owner is going to buy 5, 6, 10, 20 games, which are incredibly high margin in terms of producing them. So to use the, the Sony thing again, a, a PlayStation game costs, I don't know, maybe 5 or 6 cents to stamp out onto a CD. That doesn't include development costs and having a, a video game studio build the game 
game and market it. But the margin on video games is very, very high. And maybe the break-even point for Sony is we're going to sell a PlayStation at a loss. But then after we sell five video games to that person, we break even. And then everything else after that is gravy. So with a supermarket, it works the same way. I don't know what a good example of a loss leader might be. Maybe it's milk. I think milk is either a low margin or a negative margin product for supermarkets. So if it costs $3 to get a gallon of milk into a supermarket and they're charging $2.49, they're taking a loss every time they sell a gallon of milk. But people go to the supermarket for milk. And if you do not sell milk, then no one's going to come to your supermarket. So you get them in the door with the cheap thing, and then you end up making all your margin on the more expensive things like, say, prepared foods, pre-cut vegetables, organic stuff like that. So the fact that Wegmans is lowering prices is, is not bad for Wegmans. It helps families, absolutely. It balances versus competitors' prices, absolutely. But it's also just good business for Wegmans. Yeah, and, and you know, they're not they're not having a doorbuster to get people in the door. They're you, they have a whole list, but it's it's a pretty diverse list across the board. So maybe they'll make their money back on the stake. But you know, it just seems just seem nice. Just seemed like a nice thing to do. Yeah, without a doubt. Without it, I think it's one of those things where much like the, the training program in New Jersey, it's something that benefits the company and it benefits the community. And have it both ways. That, that's a good thing. One thing that I, I will say that is nice about that is now when I grew up, the concept of buying a store brand thing was always a little disappointing to me. The idea that buying the store brand cereal instead of the... I want You want Count Chocula and it's just like, oh, bat chips. Yeah, they're just as good. My mom has probably said the phrase, oh, they're just as good to me as often as she said the phrase, I love you. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> and so growing up, my family shopped at ShopRite and Pathmark because I'm from New Jersey. And getting store brand there was just so disappointing. And it, it meant that maybe I personally did something bad as a, as a child. <laughs> but with Wegmans, the store brand stuff from Wegmans is awesome. When I went shopping this morning, I think the store brand items I bought from Wegmans, I bought sour cream. I bought some of their Wegmans Italian die-cut dry pastas. And their store brand is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. I look at Kirkland as kind of the store brand of Costco, and Kirkland stuff is really good. Oh, yeah. And Wegmans brand stuff at Wegmans is also really, really good. So, you know, now I've gone from looking at store brand as a reflection of my value as a person to looking at store brand stuff as an exciting treat for me. All right. Well, this has been Wig News. Wig News. Wig News. And now it's time for your favorite part of the week. It's time for the review. So Marcelo, what I want to review this week is not a product per se, but a concept. And that concept is the in-store restaurants at Wegmans. As I said, I go to the Medford, Massachusetts Wegmans with, I don't even want to call it regularity, with obsessive and shocking regularity, maybe. But, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm there almost, every... Almost like, almost like you stalk them. Yeah, yeah. I, I stalk the building. And so for me, the reason why I go to Wegmans as much as I do is the term I use, and I don't think my wife likes this term, is I go there for work trips and pleasure trips. 
And the work trips are when I actually have to go and do shopping and get my food for the week and buy all the things that the household needs. But then the, the pleasure trip is when I'm just going for lunch. I will go for a lunch or dinner and just to walk around for a few minutes. And the reason why I'm very compelled to do that is because the in-store restaurants at Wegmans are delightful. The, the Medford, Massachusetts Wegmans that I go to has a restaurant within it called the Burger Bar. And the Burger Bar is fantastic. As the name suggests, they have burgers, but they also have lobster rolls. They make fresh tossed salads. And the way it works is absolutely perfect for a restaurant within a supermarket. You walk up, it's counter service. So you walk up, you place your order, you pay in advance, and then they give you a pager, like one of those, you know, pagers you would get at Chili's or the Cheesecake Factory that'll vibrate when your table's ready. Only here, it's your meal is ready. And so you can keep shopping and keep doing all these things. And then when your buzzer goes off, you go, you pick up your food on a tray, you sit down in the ample cafe section and you enjoy. And what I like about the Burger Bar, as an example, is it's in the cafeteria area, so it's nice and casual because there are people that are eating food from the hot bar. There are people just sitting there hanging out, drinking a smoothie or buying a, a fountain soda. So it's not super crazy formal. You're there eating a delicious maple bacon burger made just for you, and you're sitting one table over from someone that just grabbed a slice of Sicilian and a diet soda from the fountain. Say someone who's Wife just ran a marathon and wants a low chill meal before you go back and soak in the hot tub for those aching 26.2 mile running bones. Say maybe like someone like that would be eating there and having a good chill time before relaxing. Now, when I decided on what to review, <laughs> I didn't realize that my review would just continue to be turning the knife in your back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry to again cast a spotlight on this betrayal that you have felt at the hands of this lesser supermarket. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I got you off track. Please return the burger bar. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's it's fine. But again, I, I let me take this opportunity to once again offer my deepest condolences to you. Um, so the other thing that the Medford Wegmans has is a pizza bar and they have a big rotating, it's probably, it's like a giant turntable oven. It's probably six, five, six feet in diameter. And it's, I think about 800 degrees. So you go to the pizza bar and it kind of arrayed like a, you know, like a Subway sandwich shop, just all the ingredients in little buckets. And what you do is you walk up and your pizza and you can get it in whatever size you want and they'll get the dough down in front of you, dress it in front of you from all the little ingredient bins and then put it in the oven and it's a rotating oven. It runs 800 degrees. So your pizza is going to be ready in two, three minutes. And you take that out, they'll put it in a little pizza box for you, and you can walk that over and eat it in the cafe area. So what I love about that is you can get these really good, really fresh things. If you have no time at all, you could go to the hot bar, put some stuff into like one of those clamshell containers. If you have a few minutes, go get yourself a pizza made just for you. And if you have even more than a few minutes, go to the burger bar and get something. So you've got a type of meal that is congruent with the amount of time you have. And a lot of the Wegmans, uh, especially some of the newer ones, have these restaurants. There's a, a Wegmans opening up in Massachusetts pretty soon that's going to have a a full Mexican restaurant in it. Oh, yeah, the one in Chestnut Hill? 
I think. Oh, is it Chestnut Hill? I, I I should know this off the top of my head. I think it's I think it's going to be a Natick, maybe. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's a Natick. It's a Natick. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's that's something that I like. And there's a new Wegmans in Virginia near where my wife's family and all my nephews live that has a more of a sit down feel type restaurant to it. That's partitioned off from the rest of the Wegmans. And what I like about that is the Wegmans hot food area at this one in Virginia is so big that you can get anything you want there, or as a completely different alternative, you can go to the restaurant within the Wegmans. So I love that. I think it makes all the sense in the world to have in-store restaurants within a supermarket. It increases foot traffic. It makes a trip to the supermarket more fun. I mean, hell, it makes going to the supermarket a bit of a date. And that is very cool to me. Well, uh, after review, I just have uh, one question for you, John. The uh, burgers from the Burger Bar. Are they delicious? Marcelo, they are the most delicious. Okay, it's time for the question of the week. This is a question that you can submit to us or we come up with. Uh, we talk about it on the show, and you can also talk about it on our Facebook page, which is Wegfans Podcast on Facebook. And the question this week is, if you could have a hot station inside your home, whether it be burger bar, pizza bar, whatever, what hot station would you choose so you just went on about all these great places you're waking up or maybe not even waking up you're coming home at the end of the day whatever whatever is going to bring you the most joy whether it's in the morning or or in the evening what station do you want at your house now this i think is a more complicated question than it seems on the surface because it's not just for me what would give me the most joy. It would be what would give me the most joy and also be a level of work that I don't want to put in. So for me, I'm a sucker for like a, a pasta station. They're very popular in corporate cafeterias where you, know, you go and they'll throw some penne or fettuccine in a little pan and you know, they'll throw in some fresh peas and sausage or chicken or whatever your protein is and they'll mix it up and they'll throw it in a bowl for you. So like I love a good pasta station, but making pasta your house is very, very easy. It will not save me time to do that, to have someone... Unless it's the greatest Italian restaurant and has amazing raves from friends, I just don't even eat Italian out because I know I don't make restaurant-quality Italian food, but it's pretty good, you know? Oh, absolutely. The I think getting good at cooking Italian, whether it's like really quick like pasta Italian or even if it's making something more complicated like, you know, veal chops and things like that, it's not hard to do. Like cooking anything excellent is hard to do, but cooking good Italian is a lot easier than learning how to cook really good Thai food or really good French food, something with a lot of technique to it. So it wouldn't be a pasta station, even though pasta stations give me a ton of joy. I would probably say say it would be something like a dim sum station Ooh. because i have made dumplings and pot stickers and things like that before and a lot of it involves me finely chopping carrots and scallions and breaking stuff down and making a variety of things and i find that to be a big pain in the butt even though i love dim sum so i would say there was like a dim sum hot station in my kitchen that was always ready to go. My life would be better. It would be shorter because I would die, but it would be better before I died. What about you, Marcella? What would you want in your house? Okay, you have just reoriented my thinking on this. My initial reaction was burrito bar because burritos are great. And my favorite thing when I go to a burrito station is when they use the hot steam thing to heat up the tortilla. You know what I'm talking about, the 
the like square mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know steam power tortilla warmer i love that thing and i would definitely burn my hand off if i were to operate one at home also to buy a several hundred dollar machine to warm up my tortillas would be ridiculous. I had a thought about that, actually. So my wife and I just bought one of those handheld portable clothing steamers. (laughs) Because, you know, the big steamers take like 10 minutes to heat up. But the little portable ones are really convenient for home use. And I think you can hand steam a burrito (laughs) yourself with a portable garment steamer. No problem. All right. Well, now now it's definitely out. So now my station would be a ramen station because the broth's been cooking for, you know, I make ramen at home, but I cook my broth for an hour. Like it's not been sitting there and just getting full of flavor for four, five, six hours. I don't go and buy bamboo shoots and everything. So I usually just have a vegetable and a mushroom or something, not just like all the great stuff, a slice of pork, just have that whenever I wanted and then have a heart attack from all the sodium. But it would be a great month of getting ramen every day. It would be amazing. Oh, that would be amazing. I think something good like that is, as you said, something that involves a lot of unique ingredients that you don't normally have. Like, I don't keep fish sauce in my house. I probably should. Fish sauce is delicious. But I don't keep fish sauce in my house. I don't keep daikon radish in my house. I don't keep duck eggs in my house. And these are things that the difference between a really good restaurant quality ramen or restaurant quality dim sum and the kind you could make at home are those ingredients, those specific ingredients that you never buy yourself, as well as the hours and hours it takes to work with them. I think that's the sweet spot, like ramen or dim sum, because who has the time for that? Let someone else do that and then pay them very well-deserved money for it. So let us know what part of the hot bar you would put in your house. Start the discussion on our Facebook page, Wegfans Podcast on Facebook. Just search for us. And like us and follow us, and you'll find out great things. This has been Wegfans, the unaffiliated Wegmans fancast. This episode has been edited by Max Kreisky. Oh, he is our Angus Beef Patty. All of our music was composed and performed by the great band Minus World. Check them out at MinusWorld.com and check them out at PAX East soon. Truly our special sauce. And of course, big thanks to Dan Chapman for wishing the podcast into existence. He is a poppy seed, that one. He's not the whole bun, but he is specifically the poppy seed. And a very special thanks to Sarah Mann, who designed our awesome logo for our social media presence. She is a fantastic side of fries. Want more Wake fans in your life? Follow us on Facebook at Wake Fans Podcast, on Twitter at Wake underscore fans, and our email is wakefanspodcast at gmail.com. To get new episodes automatically, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please rate and review us. I'm not sure how ratings works, but click on as many stars as it will allow you to, and I think it'll be okay. This is all for us this week. Say goodbye to the people, John. Goodbye to the people, John. And remember, Gelsons, you are not and you never will be Wegmans. Salad.